This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello everybody and welcome to the Super Jcast. I'm Joel Abraham, joined by David McDonald. <sighs> David, do you, do you remember the good old days when there was no wrestling and no football? Life was better back then, wasn't it? Felt like it, doesn't it? Um, I, like the, I like what we saw with um, the attempts of New Japan. I, I mean, I appreciate the efforts. I appreciate all sports um, giving it their best go, but... Uh, what a, what a crazy world we live in, huh, Joel? What a crazy world we live in. Let's start with a question from at RBX2000. We have two questions, actually. So RBX2000 says, following the speaking out movement, how do you, as guys who don't as closely follow the British scene, feel about the position of Osprey and, to a lesser extent, Sabre, who has extensive links to those implicated and whose silence has been deafening? And... Uh, he adds, this isn't a moral judgment, by the way. I just feel a bit in the bubble at the moment, and I'm curious of the perspectives of those with a bit of distance. And another question from Steel O'Neill says, with the recent awful allegations, re- the speaking out movement, do you have any views on the apparent lack of accusations of Japan-based wrestlers? So, Damon, I, I think those are fair questions for us as a, a New Japan-centric podcast. But for us to sit here and talk about those two wrestlers does feel... Like it's, it's missing the point in a week where we've seen some of the most appalling, vile testimonies. I, I mean, I'll answer the question, and I'll be honest, I'm very disappointed in my fellow countrymen. One of them spewed out one of the most heinous non-apologies I've ever seen, and should have just kept his mouth shut, as it turns out. Like, he was unable to show even a, a shred of genuine contrition for his part in a very ugly nasty situation clearly not sorry in the slightest and the other usually so quick to jump on political bandwagons for clout that it makes me wonder what he's hiding or whom he's covering for and (laughs) i'll tell you this for free i'm i'm going to really struggle uh, discussing a certain former junior champions matches ever again i mean sex with a drunk 16 year old who's 10 years your junior consensual the fuck out of here and look i mean these people technically haven't broken any laws and i always say you draw your own line in the sand as to whether or not you can enjoy their craft i can discuss match quality sure but am i ever going to be cheering for mr sex pig again nope am i going to be slapping like on the next tweet fired off burying the tories nope I'm I'm very much side-eyeing the pair of them at this point. But, you know, let's put that into context. Because, really, Damon, we talked about this off-air. Who gives a shit what I think about these wrestlers? Because this Speaking Out campaign is not about the men like us rocking up with our podcasts and our tweets and our hot takes on who's right and wrong and playing detective, what should be done with them, how to fix wrestling, blah, blah, blah. This... There's not a time for us to speak. This is a time for us to listen. And yeah, it's hard to do that. It's hard for me as the father of a, a baby girl to read about these accounts of molestation and assault 
abuse, rape by yeah. men and women who've been exposed as absolute human detritus. I mean, some of these stories, they made me feel physically ill, like literally nauseating. Yeah. But again, my response, it's a drop in the ocean compared to what these poor victims have gone through. Again, men and women, you know, this is not exclusively an issue of men preying on women, but what I think about it, I think that's irrelevant. No one should care about what I have to say. I mean, yeah, I can sit here and say, yes, all the bad people who did the bad things should be arrested. Clap, clap, clap. Likes and retweets at the bottom, please. That's obvious. We can all see how absolutely rotten the wrestling scene is. I'm a teacher. Before I even set foot through that door to start working with young, vulnerable people, I have background checks, police checks, multiple references. And when I start the job, there's child protection training. The safeguarding, what to do if you suspect abuse is occurring, whistleblowing procedures. You know, if you think person A is doing something bad, then you tell person B. If you think person B is doing something bad, then tell person C, etc., etc. And even then, with all of these procedures in place, terrible things can still happen. So, with wrestling, which has none of the above. The fucking wild, wild west, right? Yeah, I mean, it's no surprise the absolute cesspit has become. So, sure. Tear it all down, start again. That much is self-evident. You know, you're not going to get any woke points for staying the bleeding obvious here. You know, I was talking about this last month. When we talked about Hannah Kimura taking her own life, I said there needed to be structural support in place for young wrestlers, and this is why. Right. And, you know, don't get cute with me. Like, I, I hate people getting smug and thinking, oh, it's only happening in dirty old Britain. It's nope. never happened in Japan. But guess what? Japan doesn't exactly have a spotless record when it comes to young trainees like we know what goes on in some uh, sumo hayers we know what used to go on in the new japan dojo we've had tiny glimpses into the underbelly of the joshi scene uh, and also don't think this is unique to wrestling either like i guarantee whatever form of sports or entertainment you consume there is abuse going on at some level uh, you like football you see what came out in November 2016? There's a fucking laundry list of paedophiles, of rapists, who've been getting away with it for decades. Yeah. Decades! 70s, 80s, 90s. Yep. Uh, you play video games? Just go and search. Go and look on Google now, the, the Holotide tweets. You like movies? <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein, anyone? Ju- fucking <laughs> casting couch? Junior culture. hockey? It's yep, Junior right, hockey? It's has everywhere. A, has a culture. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It is everywhere. So, you know, what can we do? I don't know. I've got no idea. There are big conversations to be had about endemic abuse and power dynamics. Personally, I don't feel equipped to treat that with the care and respect it deserves. Uh, There's a good episode of Post Wrestling with Kristen Ashley. They discuss this in depth. So, to go back to my point, I think listening to people is a good start. It's, It's time for us to shut up and listen and create a culture of understanding and approachability where people can share their stories without fear of backlash because I'm telling you, Damon, this is the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Um, the, I, I'm, I, I agree with you 100%. Um, and I, I will also say that I feel like this has to be a, a step forward when it comes to the change part because that's where I struggle. Um, because I've gone through this, it feels like many times specifically within pro wrestling, whether it be Moolah, whether it be Terry Garvin or Mel Phillips, 
uh, or whether it be uh, um, sexual assault allegations and and court cases um, and and suits. I mean, you can rattle off the names and you can look them up. Missy Hyatt, uh, you, you know, the, the the history of pro wrestling um, is filthy and 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 horrible. And yes, there's plenty of good, and and but it's it's always been there, and they've never learned from their errors. And when these things come to light, you hope that okay, this is the moment that young women who want to be pro wrestlers won't have to go through this. And and call me naive, I'm you know I'm 40s. Um, I, I I don't hang out. You know, with wrestlers and bars and clubs and and that you know that I'm kind of past that. But I actually thought that that this crew had it all sorted out when it came to the the disgusting stuff that pro wrestling hung its hat on for decades. I really thought that this was it. I really thought that we were we were out of that. And boy was I wrong. And boy was I wrong. But I don't I don't have confidence in pro wrestling. <laughs> if you if you want to know the honest to god truth, I don't have confidence in it because the the track record speaks for itself. Um uh I don't know, it's exhausting. You know, I sit here and I say it's exhausting if we're us as fans, but <laughs> what about what what about the 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 exhaustion that the the the, the people who are speaking out feel. So I don't. I don't know how to wrap it up into one concise thought. Um, it really. It really makes you look at why we like what we like when it comes to pro wrestling. It really, really does. Yeah, I mean, forgive me, listeners, but I cannot muster up any enthusiasm to discuss these shows or watch this. I, I can't do it. I, I cannot go from rape allegations to. You know, Yano versus Hiromi wackiness. And one is bad enough, Joel, right? You know what I mean? Like, one is bad enough. Like, you hear one story and it's like, whoa, and it rattles you. We've got 16 against one guy. You know what I mean? How? You know what I mean? Like, pro wrestling failed. (laughs) Again. Again, again. It's not just pro wrestling. It just it seems everywhere I look, everyone at any level of authority is just failing miserably at everything. So I'm <laughs> right. just kind of <laughs> right. withdrawing into my own little world where, you know, I watch nice things. I've watched the Paddington Bear movies over the last <laughs> few nights. They were wonderful, really delightful, and I, I was happier for it. And then. You know, you open up Twitter.com again. It's like, oh, Christ. And I, like you said, I just I feel guilty even expressing an opinion and expressing my disgust at what's going on because, like I said, who, who the fuck are we? What are we even doing here? I don't know. Well, let's move on then. Uh, into the news. There's a bit of news this week. Uh, lines break collision to hit NJPW World in July. So these are going to be... Uh, weekly broadcast events on World through July. So it'll be Friday nights and 
basically the wrestlers who, well, some of the wrestlers who are in the USA at the moment. So I think we mentioned before about Filthy Tom Lawler. So it's going to start on Friday, July the 3rd with two matches. We've got Clark Connors versus Alex Coughlin. We've got a tag match with Jeff Cobb and Rocky Romero against TJP and Carl Fredericks. And we've also got a list of some new wrestlers who are going to be appearing. Names include Rust Taylor, Danny Limelight, and the DKC. I don't know anything about those wrestlers, but a bit of extra wrestling to watch coming from the States, David. Your thoughts on that? It's nice. I mean, a weekly show. Um, they'll get a lot of time in, in ring. They'll get a lot of time uh, to get better. And, we'll, and the best part about that is you'll get to see that progression, right? Um, I was always hoping that they would have some type of I don't know, weekly, almost, it's almost like, I don't want to say like uh, reality television because pro wrestling can be, as weird as it sounds, some of the best reality television. Uh, yeah, I think, it's a, I think it's a good idea. I mean, we don't know how long it's going to be before those guys make it back to Japan with um, the way the United States is handling this virus. Um, that's that that is a big question for sure. So why not take advantage of um? You know, if they're going to be there, let's let's get some cameras and let's uh, let's set up some shows. So I think it's a smart idea um, to 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 take advantage of of a terrible situation. Yeah, I'll be interested to see more of the that class of young lines because really excited talents there. You know the likes of. Uh, Coglin and Connors and Frederick so all in favour of that um, well, let's talk about these three shows now. so starting Monday June the 22nd in an unknown venue which looks suspiciously like Corrigan Hall but it was unknown uh, first match we had an eight man tag match with Suzuki Kun against Young Lions and Yuji Nagata but I mean, let's get straight into the New Japan Cup matches where we had Sanada defeating Ryusuke Taguchi in 15 minutes, 47 seconds with an O'Connor bridge. And just, I mean, the time of these matches, just in general, I feel that these matches are going on a lot longer than they should. You know, if you are really? trying to position... Yeah, I, I think a lot of these matches... Like, take this one, for example. You've got Sanada, who is my favourite to win. This is a guy who's beaten the likes of Kazuchika Okada. He's had IWGP title shots, so he is indefinitely in that upper mid cards and if you listen to certain subsections of fans this is a, a future champion I just think, why is he taking 60 minutes to put away comedy junior Taguchi so I just think personally the way the, the fact that we only have five matches on these cards I think they are giving more time to these New Japan Cup matches where I think some of them they, they are mismatches and you should have established guys not squash matches but just blowing through them in six minutes you know maybe a bit of back and forth but establish who is the dominant wrestler here this match was fine like I, the opening was pretty good some good grappling there lost me in the middle with the you know the paradise lock and the bum shenanigans and I thought the ending was pretty good to be fair um, when Taguchi started getting serious decent little match um, but again 16 minutes thought, thought it was too long so, to me, when you get a singles match on a New Japan show, well, let me let me rewind a little bit. I, I hear 
that um, critique a, a lot in certain circles, namely our Discord, if I pop in every once in a while, of, of you know, matches having going too long and um, a certain pattern and so forth. Um, and I th- really truly believe that that is done to keep people at a certain level. This is a company that by and large, I know that we've had a, you know, an exception here, uh, but by and large, th- this is a company that uses clean finishes, right? We'll have an occasional count out and we'll have an occasional disqualification. So pinfalls are really the, the, the and submissions are are the deciding factor. So the only way to determine a hierarchy is uh, would be match length, right? So again, just as you described, if if I if it takes me fifteen minutes to beat someone, you would think that person would be ranked. And I put that in air quotes higher than a person where I, it took me five minutes to beat, right? And I think you see that when it comes to the young lions, right? The young lions are usually sub ten minute matches, right? Is, was there any young lions match in, in the cup that went longer than ten minutes? I'd have to go back and check. Um, yeah. If you bear with I don't me, mean to put you. no, no problem. I pre- I'm, uh, yeah, I mean, if you have it, don't don't kill yourself. But, um. My point being is this, is that the, the thing that we like about New Japan, the fact that we can heat up people and cool people off, and, you know, I mean, that's a, a primary reason that, that New Japan can do that, is that in singles matches specifically, they're going to go a certain length, right? And especially the main events are going to go a certain length, because the assumption is, is that they they can be main eventers if they're not already established main eventers, right? Um, so I don't have a problem with, with, with matches going 15 minutes or going, you know, in some cases, even 20 minutes. Um, if they're, you know, in the ring with people who, who are stars, because that's the really aside from like, you can't have everybody take pinfalls. You know what I mean? Like Tanahashi can't fucking lie down to everyone. If he did, that when he did lie down, it wouldn't be as important. Um, in the same breath, you have to move people up. Um, so the only thing match-wise, and again, match structure is one thing, but another big thing is that time is to is to make sure that that you know a guy is credible um and a guy is worthy of that position on the card does that make sense yeah but if everyone is credible and everyone is pushing their opponents you know 15 minutes plus then no one's special you know like the okada gato match or uh, a match i guess we'll talk about later like goto against yujiro did did that need to go 17 minutes long is yujiro really that close and that competitive to someone like Goto, who, you know, he's not a, exactly a huge star, but 17 minutes? Right, but that's just one factor. Uh, but, like, who got the win? Goto. And everybody in the house knew Goto was going to win that match. But, to, like, I think, I think actually having Takahashi 
you know, lose in five minutes is is worse. Because the next time you see Takahashi, are you going to give a flying fuck about a Takahashi match? Not that, you know, we're all sitting on the edge of our chair right now anyway. But you get my point, right? Um, it, it does, does, you know, Tenzan and Yoshihashi need to go 20 minutes? I mean, nobody. I can't say nobody. I like that one, actually. <laughs> me too. Me too. Me too. Here's the thing, it's it, but that's that, that's another point is that these guys can go it, the old tap of the shoulder thing that we talk about a lot, right? That these guys can go when when they're asked to, by and large. And, you know, it's uh, like I just think it's such a small thing, but I think it's a uh, like uh, like on the grand scheme of things, I think it's a small thing, but I also think it's it, it is an important thing to keep a, a match length at a certain point because if they're going to be eating a pin, you got to make it look somewhat competitive. Um, yeah, maybe it's just the fact that it's empty arena that a lot of these match layouts, for me, are coming off a bit flat. Like when it's an exciting, high-paced match with two guys just beating the crap out of each other, then I think that works in an empty arena. But if it's one of the more sort of traditional match structures with long heat control segments where the baby face is getting built down and that goes on and on and then they make their fiery comeback at the end to me that doesn't work in an empty arena when there's no one cheering for that baby face in peril right and it it feels a lot longer than it is i mean let me go to twitter actually because our friend of the show forest he did he's he did the maths and worked out the average lengths of these matches as compared to previous that, that's a big. That's a big thing for him, right? I know he, that's a big thing for him. So, 2016, the opening round average was 10 minutes 26. 2017, it was it jumped up a lot, 15 minutes 20 seconds. 2018, huge jump, 19 minutes 56 seconds. 2019, back down again, 15 minutes 17 seconds. 2020, 15 minutes 43 seconds. So, really, it's about the same level it was 2017 and 2019. Maybe it just feels longer to me because of the empty arena stuff and the lack of the crowd means that I'm struggling to engage with it and those segments which normally wouldn't be a problem for me with a cheering crowd are starting to drag. I can definitely see that. And I will say that there is one match that totally skews to your argument. And that's the Okada Ghetto match. You know what I mean? That that went over 15 fucking minutes. That There's no way... That match should have gone over 10 minutes, let alone 15 minutes. Uh, so I think if you took that match out of the equation, I mean, Ishii and Desperado went 20. Um, Honma, Takahashi, that went you know close to 20, like 19 minutes. Nagata Suzuki went 20. Tanahashi and, and Taichi went over 20. Shockingly, Abushi and 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 Zach went but went fifteen minutes. Taguchi and Sonata went fifteen. That's what I mean. I mean, uh, long term rivals who more or less on the same position on the card in the form of Zach and Ibushi go in the same length of time as Taguchi and Sonata. Right. I hear you. I mean, I mean, look, I'm not saying it's not. I don't. I don't think it's a crazy argument. I just think it's a. I think it's. I. I, I really think it's a thing. Just 
because of this company and and the fact that they use clean pinfalls all the time, they don't want. I think at this point that if you did have that sub ten minute match, I don't know. I think it just it makes a guy lose. You go down a rung, and and maybe that's okay. But I, I think one of the things that makes New Japan special is that they they do have the ability to heat people up pretty quick. And one of the reasons is this kind of booking style. I think it depends on the intensity of the match. I think you, if you have a you can have a very com- close, competitive, hard fought, high paced nine minute match yeah. with a clean pinfall where the loser doesn't look weak. It just it depends on the pace of the match. It's the the, the pace that the match is worked at. But I don't know. Maybe I'm just grumpy today. I mean, do, do you have any other thoughts about Takuchi versus Sanada? I, I don't. <laughs> to be honest, I'm kind of glad that we spent 10 minutes talking about match lengths because uh, if you uh, asked me, give me highlights of that match. I, I, that, that's uh, one of the problems. It's like every match, I feel like um, I, I liked it. it was, that was good. You know, fine. But there's nothing that's like sticking with me. And and the and the one thing that is sticking with me is a match that was highly goofy, highly uh, shenanigan laced, but was action packed and and dare I say fun. Um, that you know that like that's one thing that will stand out. Like even right now, Ishi Desperado. Can you give me anything from that match? Uh. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? A lot of Ishii matches are, are like that, to be fair. I enjoy them, but then I immediately forget them, and I couldn't tell you any memorable spots from them. Right. I mean, I appreciate what New Japan is doing here, and I appreciate the fact that we have a New Japan Cup, and I appreciate the fact that every match does mean something. <sighs> I feel like I'm evaluating practice. You know, I feel like I'm evaluating... There's. If, if I've enjoyed these empty arena matches more than I've enjoyed just about any other promotions, empty arena efforts. Let's say that right up front. These are empty arena matches. And it's missing something. <laughs> oh, it's missing a lot. Let's put it that way. Um, it's hard for me to evaluate matches like like seriously can we honestly sit here and evaluate matches in this format is that fair i think if we go through these match by match i hope to have at least one opinion for each match something we could talk about yeah yeah but i think like i know th- these are weird times and troubling times, as every fucking advertiser will tell me. Um, are we counting this in the New Japan canon? Like, is this... Like, in history, are we going to have a video montage of the New Japan Cup and have this? In, you know what I mean? Like, how are they going to handle this period in time is, is I guess, my question. Because it just feels weird. Let's go on to the third match on the show, which was show defeating Shingo Takagi in 70 minutes and six seconds with a shock arrow. This is my favorite match of the tournament so far. Yeah. All my complaining before, I thought this was fantastic. This is exactly the kind of match I want to see in an empty arena where it's so fast, 
and so hard hitting that you kind of forget the fact that there are no fans there. And I know I did predict this, but it was still a bit of a surprise for me to see uh, a junior defeating Shingo Takagi. And I thought both guys were just terrific here. The, the stars complement each other really well. Uh, I'm, my opinion of show has greatly increased after this match. And just the layout of the match I thought was really smart as well because there were certain moments where towards the end show was setting up the shock arrow and then Shingo would power out and I thought oh well, well that's it now you know he's had his he's teased his big finisher Shingo's escaped it so Shingo's going to go on and win and it didn't turn out to be the case so I was genuinely surprised by the outcome of the match and this was one of the few matches that I could, I could count on one hand really where it was so high quality that I lost myself in the moment and forgot that it was in an empty arena. I think you're right. I, I think you are right in the sense of you have to have like the matches that I enjoy most are the ones where you forget you're in an empty arena and uh, have an energy and a pace to it. This was one of them. Absolutely. You, you need that. Like, and again, I, I keep kind of falling back on there, there. There's three things. One, it's like you need to have that. Two, obviously, guys, you can't have. I guess the guys that you would kind of point a finger at and be like, okay, this is a lumbering guy, or you know, like imagine Fale in a in a situation like this in an empty arena. Oh boy, um, you need that. Um, and three, like. The, the matches that have a little bit of shenanigans, I don't know, maybe they distract you as well from, from what's going on. So, yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, Show and Shingo was, was pretty fucking great. Um, for, it, it might be one of my favorite empty arena matches, period, um, if, if, if all things considered. Um, Show. Are, are you are you are you back on the bandwagon here? Yeah, we've got a question actually from GoAso9 who says, "Do you guys foresee Show as part of the heavyweight division, or is he subject to a Kushida-like career?" Because really interesting point now that they do seem to be using that never title as an openweight title because Show is the junior tag team champion. But presumably he will be challenging for the never openweight title. And I can't remember the last time. Well, I, I suppose there was the Osprey reign where he was technically still a junior. So I, I like that they're continuing with that. And that with these uncertain times, we do have this whole openweight element. And I would like to see more of that. Um, specifically with regards to show. Yeah, I can see something there. I think he still needs to improve his confidence and learn how to cut a good promo because he still seems very shy and introverted in front of that camera but in terms of the quality of his in-ring output absolutely no questions there whatsoever I know a lot of people say maybe he's on the short side but like physically in terms of the musculature of his body he looks like a heavyweight to me so I don't know where do you stand on the show I love him I I told you flat out on shows previous that like he if if he had a couple more inches you know in his feet you know in his legs uh 
I would I would be writing you know at least intercontinental champion on him. Um, I think it's I, I'm one of those people that that feel his height is a detriment, unfortunately. Um, just be, just just knowing what a heavyweight pro wrestler, an IWGP heavyweight champion, um, has been in the past. That's the only strike against him, and that's really not his fault. I mean, how do you fix that? You give him lifts? I don't know. I love him. I think he's fantastic. I think he's fantastic in the ring. Uh, yeah, I mean, promos. I mean, I think that could be worked, right? I think that could be we, – we, we could find a way around that. But boy, oh, boy, in the ring, great. And once again, you know, Shingo. <laughs> I mean, just what an MVP. What an what an MVP guy to have in your life. Makes everyone look good, doesn't he? He really does. He really does. Uh, and I've said it, I've said this many times. I think he's one of the one of the most important signings New Japan had in the past, you know, two or three years. I really do. Now I remember when he signed, and he was built up with this huge unbeaten streak, which was ended at the end of the Best of the Super Juniors last year. But it did leave a bit of mystery about where the company viewed him, like his position on the card. Is this guy who's got the potential to be a future IWGP heavyweight champion or a contender? Does this result make you think that they see him as more of a gatekeeper than a future star? Huh. Um, No, I mean, I think this this match is a perfect example of setting up future programs. so I wouldn't put a first round knockout as you know him just being a gatekeeper. I think they know what they got with him. I will say this though, he's not a spring he's only chicken. Lost two people, hasn't he? Right. If, right. I've got that right. Yeah. Um and, and he's what he's he's not twenty, let's put it that way too. Um Yeah, he's the same age as Naito and Ibushi, like thirty six, thirty seven. Right, right. So I mean you know, 40s creep up on you. When you, when you reach that 40 age, <laughs> getting out of bed is a little bit harder. I can't imagine what Shingo uh, would have to go through. Uh, so keep that in mind. But I think they I think they feel like they have themselves a stud. Um, do I think IWGP heavyweight champion? No. But Intercontinental for with a cup of coffee? Sure. I would have zero problem with that. Fourth match was Kota Ibushi defeating Zack Sabre Jr. in 15 minutes, 15 seconds with Kamigoi. This was where my bracket was busted. And I thought it was good. I mean, these matches between the two always are, but this would definitely fall on the lower end of the totem pole in terms of their encounters for me. Uh, Nicole has some interesting thoughts. She said it's a, a story, three New Japan Cups in the making, as Ibushi slowly goes from ref stoppage to finally beating Zack and the evolution to baby's first grapple fucker as this was the most amount of mat work I've seen Ibushi do in I don't know how long if you want typical striker slash high flying Ibushi this ain't it so yeah they definitely worked a more mat based style and you have that evolution of Ibushi through those three New Japan Cup matches he'd had with Zach which is something I didn't notice so there you go well, right, well listen if you're gonna if you're gonna look for Nuance in a Kota Obushi match. Nicole's your person. You know what I mean? Like she, um, Resident Ibushi scholar. She yes. Doesn't have that title for nothing, folks. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, but but to to hop on that, your point is even more amplified in the sense of 
they're rolling around the ring. And it was, there were times, and I, who would have thought, looking at the brackets, there were times during this match, Joel, I'm looking at my fucking phone. It was not one of their better efforts, it felt like. Main event was Hiroshi Tanahashi against Taichi. Taichi winning in 21 minutes, 51 seconds with a black Mephisto. And this is another example of a match that I thought badly needed a crowd. The whole, you know, crowd brawling, uh, the walk and brawl, and the long heat control periods with Tanahashi as the babyface in peril, to me, doesn't work without a crowd. I thought the closing stretch of this was terrific, but I mean, you could say that about most New Japan matches, but, you know, Taichi and Tanahashi going toe-to-toe and Taichi getting a relatively clean win. I know there were some docky shenanigans earlier in the match, but when it came to that final five minutes, that was all Taichi there. So definitely something worth talking about there, that the positioning of Taichi and his elevation where, you know, he is pushing people like Okada to the limit at New Beginning. And now he's got a clean win over Tanahashi. This is definitely a guy that we're seeing elevated. And yeah, I thought half of this match was good. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Taichi's... <laughs> I mean, we've said it before. We, the, one of the biggest arguments that we said last week, or you know, or maybe the week previous when we were doing our brackets was, is, is, is Taichi a guy who's going to get that pinfall win on Tanahashi. Um, and as you saw the brackets lay out, you were kind of like, oh my God, they really are going to do this. And there are plenty of times in the matches where, you know, you, you thought, okay, well, Tanahashi's got to, okay, right, right. But, but yeah, they went with it. That's a, Look, dare I say that's a gutsy move by New Japan and, and Hiroshi Tanahashi, let's be honest. That's a gutsy fucking move to, to, to do that. Trust me, there's a lot of people, I know a lot of people, that openly groaned when that happened. Openly groaned. Uh, That's a a big win for Taichi. You can't can't discount that. That is a big fucking win. Um, Empty arena, okay, great, fine. But New Japan Cup, that's that's a big win. Got a few questions about Taichi. Let me open yeah, up right. my file. So Jay Reezy Min says, "How do you feel if Taichi wins the New Japan Cup, and what are some unlikely upsets like Taichi and show?" And Liam says, "Thoughts on the potential of Taichi as New Japan Cup winner. Also, with his consistency over the past five years, is there an argument for Ishii as the best professional wrestler alive?" Today? Okay, well, let's put that Ishii question on ice and just discuss the Taichi one. I don't think there's much potential of Taichi winning the New Japan Cup, and the only reason I say that, I think he would be a perfectly good challenger for Naito for a third capacity Osaka Joe Hall but I just think he's too tied up in this tag feud with Ibushi and Tanahashi that he's probably going to lose to I I think he beats Ibushi in the next round actually maybe with some shenanigans just because I think you need the challengers for the tag team titles getting another win over the, the holders to set that up um but no, I don't think he's going to win the whole New Japan Cup. Yeah, I mean, just the way it's it's looking, he's he is in that tag program. Um, he has what? He has a Bushi next. Um, well, I mean, we'll do predictions later, but I mean, you can make a guy 
a really big fucking heat. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're going to get pinfall win over Tanahashi, and you're going to get a pinfall win over Kota Ibushi? Mm, that's interesting. Uh, I, th- I th- But yeah, I don't, I don't see him winning the cup. Um, but you did also bring up an interesting thing. Would you would you would you be interested at all in a Tai Chi Naito IWGP heavyweight title match? Sure, I mean why not? Yeah. Like, you know, one of these lesser shows like a maybe a Don Taku or a Destruction or something like that, I think it'd be perfectly serviceable. They've got an interesting history, they've had some good matches in the past. I I'll be happy with that, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm telling you, man, I I, I turned the corner, you know it. I was never a Tai Chi guy. I just think it's amazing how you know he's been able to string together a, a fantastic run of, of of really good matches, and some of them pretty great. Um, and 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 here's the thing too: as as much as I like hand wave the gimmick and I rolled and like oh what the fuck, uh, it makes it less annoying when you put out great matches. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> you know, Tai Chi is not the fucking honky tonk man, guys. Uh, let you know he's he's he, I would I would he's won me over. Let's put it that way. So Tuesday we open up with Bushi defeating Yo in fifty minutes forty two seconds with an MX. Nice little match, absolutely fine. About what I expected. Bushi won. He didn't even take his T-shirt off. Um, I guess an interesting talking point out of this would be to look at the relative positioning of Yo. And show so show obviously getting a huge upset win over a singles title holder in the former Shingo Takagi, but Yo losing to Bushi. Do you think we can read anything? In, well, first of all, what did you think of the match? And do you think we can read anything into that? Match was fine. I'm fine. Um, I think Yo is really good. But if you ask me who I thought who I think is better, I think Show is. I enjoy shows, matches more than I enjoy Yo's singles matches. That doesn't mean that I think Yo stinks. That doesn't mean that I think Yo is a terrible wrestler. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying I think Sho is a is a notch above Yo. Um, I don't know what you do with the guy though. Like, so let's just say that we break up Rapungi 3K. And they, and they can feud, right? Let's just go traditional pro wrestling route. I see more of an upside after that happens of sh- for show than I do for yo. W- w- why do I feel that way, Joel? I don't think you're alone in that. I just think in terms of the in-ring style, show is more explosive and dynamic in a way that catches your eye more than Yo, who is more of a wrestler's wrestler. I think Yo has more more personality. Like, I think Yo... Like, some of Yo's facial expressions are borderline hilarious. And... uh very almost heel like, like he's yeah, got. A- I, I've said that before, haven't I? That, that I think yeah. he's got a lot of upside as a, you know, sneaky smug little prick heel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I absolutely see that. So 
I mean, I think there's qualities that both. I don't know, you just think that I think that's why they 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 complement each other as a tag team. Let's let's be truthful. Um, uh, the the shortcomings that I see with Show, I think Yo wins hands down. The shortcomings I see with Yo, I see as strengths with Yo. So, uh, you know, in pro wrestling. Sometimes it is the personality that wins it over. I mean, and you can get by. And again, I'm talking like Yo's, you know, the fucking bushwhackers. Um, you know, you know, he's really good in the ring. Um, and we're talking, you know, little little percentage points of less or more. But yeah, I, I see Yo heel, just like you said, a little smug prick heel. Oh, a couple of questions about these guys. Andrew says, Show and Yo came back looking awesome and more serious. They've been groomed for the next phase of their respective careers sooner rather than later. And Flynn says, Thoughts on Yo's new look and music? At least Daddy Romero is letting him have the same freedom that Show gets now. So yeah, just judging by the fact that Yo has his own singles entrance theme now. Um, both of them have new looks, you know, new haircut, new outfits. It does seem to suggest that singles work could be in their future, even though they are still the junior tag team holders. Yeah, I tell you what, the Bushi um, Yo match. They were both rocking that silver and and white and almost looking like the Oakland Raiders or Las Vegas Lakers, uh, Raiders now. And uh, again, Cheryl doesn't know anything about this stuff, so she she walked in and uh, or actually upstairs, and she's like. Uh, are they tag team partners that just broke up? <laughs> because they looked like they had the same outfits on. That's huge. Well, that's very astute observation there. Yeah, maybe they will be in the future with the speculation that Yo could be LIJ bound at some point in the future. I think Yo and Bushi would be a pretty cool junior tag team, personally. Yeah. Wasn't there always that little bit of uh, dynamic with uh, Yo, uh, with LIJ in the past? I'm just saying. All right. Good, good job there. Yeah. Then we had Yoshihashi defeating Hiroshi Tenzan in 17 minutes, 35 seconds with the butterfly lock. And this was kind of like the joke match for a lot of people in the opening rounds. But I think this exceeded all expectations. I thought this was really great. And like I said, with these empty arena shows, you just got to beat the crap out of each other. And this is what they did. Uh, Tenzan, his chest just got absolutely lit up by Yoshihashi, who was showing, I thought, a more ruthless edge. And... As part of a wider trend in this tournament, Tenzan looks rejuvenated. I think he brought his, the, the best version of this Tenzan we could possibly get here. And um, there were some really exciting near falls as well, like when Tenzan had Yoshihashi in the Anaconda Vice and Yoshihashi transition. I thought he was going to tap, first of all, and then there was that transitioned into the uh, the kind of pinfall situation where Yoshihashi nearly changed that into a pin. And... My one complaint would be I still think the butterfly lock looks like absolute crap. It, you know, I've had more painful looking Thai massages than that. But <laughs> great job, both guys. I was really impressed with this one. I think one of the main stories to come out of this New Japan Cup so far has been the outstanding hustle of, as they're affectionately known, the dads. Each one of them have, dare I say, busted their ass. Um, and have done, you know, again, three months. They look like they, 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 in the hobby, it's not easy being a fan 
of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying hey look at some random cards whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network wrapped up that time off like a sponge and they just let it absorb in their body and refresh them um and even if it's just for one match uh Tenzon looked better than he has in, dare I say, years. Um, And to ask him to go over 15 minutes in a singles match. Again, we're talking about Tenzon here. Broken down, beaten down, ankle fucked Tenzon to go 15 minutes. And you know what? Hats off to Yoshihashi too. Look. Before we, you know, know what I'm seeing a lot around on the internet as I dance about, uh, not very frequently, but you know, you know, know I'm seeing a lot of Joel, seeing a lot of people throwing around a term that I, I coined, I created. You know what that term is, Joel? It's the old bag of socks, David. That is a registered trademark from your good self. And I know it was one that Joe Lanza of Voices Wrestling has adopted and did credit you initially but every time he mentions Yoshihashi I think there should be credit to one Damon McDonald's because 
Yeah, like you said, it's spreading like wildfire. It really is. People need to know where it comes from. Uh, that's me. I, I, I gave the world bag of socks. Um, and again, it doesn't mean bag of socks. Bags, bags of socks don't stink, Joel. Bags of socks are just boring. They're efficient, but they're, nobody gets excited over a fucking bag of socks. Um, so yes, please. So the next time, feel free to use it in any one of your uh, uh, reviews, all the various sites. But but just give give, give old Damon a little credit here, all right? Please, it's, it's distressing me. Um, I need all the credit I can get. Um, yeah. So dads doing it for themselves. Excellent job for, for by the dad so far. This was not a bad match at all. In fact, I really enjoyed it. And um, I can't wait for Yoshihashi Bushi. <laughs> Fourth match was Hiroki Goto defeating Yujiro Takahashi in 16 minutes, 40 seconds. As I said before, I didn't love this. I don't like Goto as the baby face in peril getting beaten down. I don't think it works for him. He's at his best when it's just him and the other guy killing each other. Like, you know, the Shibata match or the Suzuki match or... Uh, he had a really good match with Elgin a couple of years ago. That's what I want to see from Goto. And just Yujiro in control of the match. I just I didn't buy it. It was long. It was boring. I've seen better matches from Yujiro. He, I'm, I'm recalling a New Japan Cup match. I think it was maybe two years ago. Yeah, it was two years ago with Juice Robinson. That was really good. And yeah, this wasn't it. I didn't like this one. It was okay. Yeah, it was okay. I'm looking at these brackets, though, Joel. If Goto gets past evil, he's got Yoshihashi, the winner of Yoshihashi Bushi, which is definitely win. So whoever is winning evil Goto is moving on, right? Could this be a... Have we forgotten about Hiroki Goto? I think for him and evil, it's just... A coin flip. I mean, we'll come on to that when we preview, but to me, they're pretty much in the same spot on the cards. Right. Both capable of having the occasional great match, but mostly fine matches with a fair smattering of underwhelming matches. So, you know, if I'm booking it, I don't know. Like, it would be a coin toss for me. Who's got more upside? There's no chance of him in a semi final position, right? Um, what Goto specifically? Yeah, yeah, quarterfinals. Yeah, I could see yeah. it. So he would have to be evil, and then beat the winner of Yoshihashi Bushi. That's better than a fifty percent chance, I think, right? Yeah. So if we have, for let's say, Goto versus Yoshihashi, that will be the quarterfinal, mm. and then we're looking at a potential, maybe Goto versus Sonata. Sonata. Yeah. Semi-final. Yeah. All, right. All right, just throwing it out there a little early. All right, where are we going next, Joel? Uh, main event of this show was Evil versus Satoshi Kojima. 20 minutes, 8 seconds, Evil winning with Evil. I like the finish of it. And it's had a quite nice story as well with uh, Evil trying to take out the strongest arm of one Satoshi Kojima to take out that lariat. And I think quite a cool finish as well with Kojima running towards evil aiming to use that lariat with his damaged arm but then running straight into the 
STF. Is it an STF? Whatever the evil manoeuvre is. So I thought <laughs> a good finish, but uh, again, it did, did kind of... It was too long for me. Too long. Yeah. Um, yeah, they just went over uh, what a, hand, a little bit over 20 minutes from what I saw. Um, my notes. Um, I think... I think I was more disappointed the fact that we didn't get that sweet, sweet, sweet dad win. Uh, I was rooting hard for for Kojima. Uh, a little disappointed, right? That would I think that would have been been a nice little story there. Um, right now, unfortunately, evil does nothing for me. Really, does nothing for me. Um, and I and as I find it amazing that. As you said, now we have Evil and Goto, and I—they—they're they're, to me they are exactly the same person, um, minus a little bit of eyeliner. <laughs> I hear Goto likes to wear a little bit on the weekends. Um, they're both good wrestlers. I don't please, please don't take it as they're not, because I, I believe they are. I just, I just feel like Chief these Jay are Strongway. they're gatekeepers. Chief, yep. These are yeah, a double gatekeeper match is what we got, which is you know, kind of counterproductive in my mind. Um, so yeah, uh, big beefy gatekeepers is what we got coming up. Okay, so that brings us on to Wednesday show, which opened up with Taiji Ishimori finally defeating Yoshinobu Kanemaru in nine minutes eighteen seconds with the bloody cross. So, long time coming, this one, with Ishimori getting the win over his long-term rival, Kanemaru. The body part purists, like myself, the limb work purists, would have been upset by this one with Ishimori blowing off the leg work. Uh, just a little bit underwhelming for me. I expected more from these guys, but it was a perfectly serviceable opening match. I can't believe that they, um, that they kind of put a... Put a period on the end of that story that they kind of go to i mean it's it's a deeper you know you, you got to be a hardcore fan to to recognize the fact that you know kanemaru has had ishimori's number for quite a while and it goes back to noah days i mean you do have to be a little bit of a hardcore fan to kind of have that be your your the your focal point of a match but i am a little bit surprised that they kind of went that way here um, because let's let's be honest. If if we were to assume that Okada was going to get past Yuji Nagata, does it matter if it's Ishimori or does it matter if it's Kanemaru going against Okada? I don't think either think of it, them it, are getting past Ishimori. There's that kind of Toriumon connection, you know, bust out a mm, few true. Luchi moves. True, true. Um, I don't know. I just kind of feel like in an empty arena, you had a l- again. It's more for a hardcores, but you did have a little bit of a of a storyline that you could always kind of fall back on. And I, I I'm not going to go out and say you wasted it on an empty arena show, but yeah, you know, it, it wouldn't have hurt if I saw Kanemaru pin Ishimori again to, to further that off. Second match was Tomohiro Ishii defeating Togi Makabe in 30 minutes 28 seconds with a vertical drop brainbuster. And yeah, here's another example of. I think the MG Arena formula worked right with them just beating each other up on that. And it was really good. Yet another example of one of the older generation 
bring in a really good match to the table. And I thought Makabe deserves credit here because he got a really good match with Suji in the first round and now a really good match with Ishii in the second round. So very, very enjoyable stuff. I thought Makabe, to me, is is one of the shining stars of New Japan uh, Cup this year. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you, you, you're not going to get that a lot, right? And I and oh, there's always the running jokes of how many bumps Makabe is going to take. And in a singles match against Ishii, you knew he was taking more than one. Let's put it that way. Uh, even with that being said, I thought I thought he he had his working shoes on, um, dusted those things off, and went a hard thirteen minutes. That's that's commendable. Um, uh, you know his. His total output, and again, l- lucky for me, I do have some of the stats in front of me. His total output was just over 20 minutes between the two matches that he had. I think that's, and he worked them smart. Like, you know, he he worked them smart. He was efficient with the amount of time that he had in those two matches. Um, and Ishii, look, I, I've said it before where, you know, it was almost like a questioning of, you know, it does feel like you get the same thing with Ishii. It's great. Don't get me wrong. Um, with Ishii matches, I love. <laughs> I'll put, I'll take an. I watch. I watch that same shit every day, Joel. I love it. He is fucking great. Uh, and and again, I don't care if it feels repetitive. I don't care if he's got like a Ric Flair formula. I don't give a shit. I think he is. One of the greatest performers in the past fucking eight, ten years. He's got to be in that list. I mean, to go back to Liam's question, argument for him as the best professional wrestler alive today. No, I wouldn't go that far. I don't think he's in that conversation. But he's like, he's like pizza. Always good. Always delicious. Always lovely to have a pizza. Yeah. It's always great. Oh, here's the thing. Always great. Or let's put it this way. Always at least very good. And then when you get that great piece, oh, you're you're looking at the person across the table and you're like, what the? F- this is fucking tremendous, right? Yeah, you, you get the best ingredients. You go to the best yeah. place. You know, you, you're in Naples or something where they got that you know wood fire oven and they're using the freshest you know buffalo mozzarella and basil and pomodoro tomatoes and, and then you're oh, this is brilliant. Right. But most of the time, right. it's really good, and that's fine. Yep, absolutely. Boom, pizza, pizza Ishii. <laughs> That's what I'm going to have. I'm going to order a pizza ichi. Fucking, I'm an idiot. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, let's go to Hiromi Takahashi defeating Toriyano. Nine minutes, 17 seconds by count out. I like the end. I thought the finish was really funny with the, them sending Yano down in the lift. And you know, I enjoyed the sort of brawling around Korakuen having been there once. A bit of nostalgia there. But... The opening three quarters of the match with them sort of chasing each other around with scissors and clippers, I found really boring. I didn't think it was funny at all. Oh, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the week. Maybe it was just I had had enough by the end of, you know, of I just felt sandbags on my chest. I loved it. <laughs> Did. I don't know what happened, but I, mean, I enjoyed every minute of that match. I because I, there was something going on every five seconds, whether it was 
Hiromo coming to the ring, you know, peeking out between, you know, behind the curtain with the oh the helmet, with that, the helmet was fine. the hard hat, yeah, right, okay, and then you know he's kind of hesitant getting in the ring, and um, you know, Yano's got four hundred different clippers, some of them work. He's got a backup. Uh, he's got scissors planted around the whole entire, you know, in Cork, and he, uh, they brawl, uh, in, you know, out into the lobby and 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 by the by by the, the, the lifts, if you will. Um, I don't and the, and the tape, <laughs> you know what I mean? And they're hopping to get back into the ring. I don't know. I don't. I loved it. I'm sorry, it was stupid, but I loved it. Um, and I just, that's, I would never say that it it had to be something that I needed. Um, I just, I just, that's, to me, this is the time when you do that shit and you make things again. Here's the thing. Even with all the goofiness, it was almost logical. Like there really wasn't a spot there, Joel, where I was like, oh, geez, come on. Like everything kind of made sense, right? You know, um, e- you know, even with the tape spots and and all, you know, I don't know. I kind of dug it. I I don't know. I, I it was silly, but it was fun as fuck. I I'm sorry. I laughed many times. No need to apologize. I mean, you're certainly not alone with that. Our our friend of the show, uh, Tyler, he slapped four and a half stars on this one. So. Yeah, definitely a lot of people who loved it more than I did. Yeah, I'm not going four and a half stars. Uh, I'm taking it for what it was. I mean, that's... uh, But, you know, Tyler, four and a half stars? Four and a half stars. Take the best match you've ever seen. You're telling me it was a half a star worse? (laughs) Come on. It was fun, but come on. Please. All right. Love you, Tyler. Fifth match was Kazuchika Okada defeating Yuji Nagata in 20 minutes, 14 seconds with the Cobra Clutch. This was good. I was expecting more. I don't know. Again, it's the... Like, the, the Tanahashi slash Okada formula, to me, doesn't work so well in the empty arena. There were parts of this that I enjoyed. I thought Okada's selling in the whichever Nagata lock it was, was very good. That thing he does where, you know, he's got his hand sort of wavering in the air and you think, oh, he's about to tap, he's about to tap. Um, but, yeah, I was expecting more from this one. Yeah, I think the, I think the empty arena hurts. It's pretty amazing how the people that we consider some of the greatest pro wrestlers of all time, how important that crowd element is, you know, in matches like Tanahashi's and Okada's. Um you know, guys that we traditionally put at the top of the mountain. You see how important those those, those crowd reactions are, and how that lifts matches to certain to certain degrees. Um, yeah, it was it was good. It was a good match. You know, I, I nothing to be that I would say is overly exciting. Um, I'm confused a little bit by the fact that they call his his finisher. And and it does. Somebody mentioned, you know, with Okada, he he goes to these submission finishers and then just drops them like 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 they're hot. Um, you know, red ink in the past. It, and here's another thing too. Like 
They're calling that a Cobra Clutch? It's not a Cobra Clutch. What should we call it? A million yen dream. <laughs> but, like, the Cobra Clutch goes across the face, like, the chin and the face. So, if I'm behind you, Joel, right? Hmm. Uh, you smell, you smell nice. Um, and, like, so I'll reach around and I'll grab your. Like, if I'm. <laughs> you, just have to you have me at reach around. <laughs> I'll reach around and grab your arm. Uh, and and I'm kind of pulling it across your face, and then I'm and then I'm taking the other my other arm and putting it underneath that and applying pressure to the back of the head. Right, that's the Cobra Clutch. That's not the Cobra Clutch. Okada's doing. Right? Am I out of my mind with that? Like, if you Google or YouTube Cobra Clutch, you're gonna get Sergeant Slaughter. That, that's the Cobra Clutch. That's not what we're seeing here. What do you think is the function of Okada doing this? Because he's won his previous two matches with this. Is this a case of his two opponents not being able to bump effectively for a Rainmaker? Or do you think they're trying to set this up as a secondary move for his matches later on in the tournament or later on in the year to provide an exciting false finish? I'm gathering it's it's that, I I guess. I mean, like I said, he's had those secondary... um, I don't want to even say finishers, but they were more setup moves than anything else. Um, I guess so. I mean, I don't know why. I don't know why we feel the need that, that he needs to do that. But, um, I mean, I feel like I could take a Rainmaker. Right? What? Is that really that hard? Like, you're turning around. You're eating a clothesline. Take the bump. Um I don't know. I just, I just think it's, they're just trying to add an, an, another element or another dynamic, um, something a little bit easier too, on on the body. I mean, is the rainmaker like that taxing on someone's body, like delivering it? Oh, I don't know. Um, yeah, just I guess maybe again, just another another maneuver to get the crowd educated. To if he locks it in, it could be over, and they can lie on the on the mat and rest <laughs> for a while. Yeah, I mean, maybe with an on the New Japan Cup final, if it is Okada Sanada again, sort of back and forth between that and the skull end, or you could have a TKO reversed into the Cobra Clutch, and you could do some interesting stuff with that, even if right. I agree with you. I, I don't think it looks that good, personally, but no, it's grumpy, Joel, this week. What do you want? <laughs> Sorry. We're trying to cheer you up. I think we're getting better, right? Okay, right? Hang on. Okay. I missed up there. We got questions about Hiromu. So, Art Quite Flame says Hiromu seemed quite afraid of Yano's attempts to instill the virtues of manscape to him. How would you convince Hiromu to shave his job? I wouldn't because they don't pay us anymore. So, uh, skip that one. <laughs> Doug says if Hiromu <laughs> happens to f- put out a huge W in the finals, will he be held high above the rest of the juniors as an outlier able to cross over similar to Osprey? Or would it signal a real integration between divisions, opening opportunities for growth and more dynamic stories to be told? I hope it's the latter. You know, we I've always said I would love I think that the some of the most interesting pro wrestlers would be considered juniors. Um with that said, I think it's important to establish Hiromo as top dog when it comes to the juniors. 
But I like the integration of storyline and you know, and the line blurring. I like a line blurred. I, I, I don't mind necessarily having junior divisions. In fact, I, I encourage it. But I like a line being blurred. And I think that Never title, how, how it's being used now, is really the perfect catalyst to do that. Um, I don't have a problem with – I wouldn't even have a problem with a guy like Shingo or a guy like um, – maybe, maybe if Will stops lifting, lifting weights – uh, guys going back down as junior for whatever reason. They want to cut weight, you know, for a storyline. I don't know. I wouldn't have a problem with that. I, I, I would love to see um, that nuance of people kind of going back and forth uh, and, a, and, a, and a line being blurred. Pumping Bomber X says, is it possible that Hiromu wins the New Japan Cup since he was slated to face Naito at the anniversary show? Is it possible that's how people, they make up for the main that. event? Uh, I think people we discussed think that. that before but I, you know I'll, I will save that one until we do our picks in the upcoming matches because would that will that come up yes it will because we've already we've got our quarterfinals on the left side of the bracket uh real forno tyler says why is toriano the best and when will he get his earned iwgp heavyweight and icy title shot and brent says what horror movie do you think could benefit from recasting the main actors with yanu and hiromu Yano and Hiromu. I'm not really big on horror. Movies. Are you a big? You, yeah, you kind of are. You you have a lot of references to horror movies. Yes. Um, I don't know if you know this, this thing about horror movies, Joel. They scare people. I don't like being scared. I don't like that little feeling at all. Um. So maybe you can chime in on the horror movies. How about? Uh, I don't even think I can name. I no, I can't name like Dracula. Is that horrible? Okay, now here you go. This is the correct answer. The original 1974 Texas Chainsaw Massacre with Toru Yanu uh, playing the role of Leatherface with hair clippers instead of a chainsaw and him chasing uh, a distressed Hiromu through the forests of Texas uh, trying to cut his hair. So there you go. Nice little visual for you. That's why... Uh, that's that's why we're the number one podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's cheered me up. That question's cheered me up. Uh, I've got a couple of questions about the dad. So, uh, Steele O'Neill says, thoughts on a new D1 tournament with only dad wrestlers. Who would you want in it? And Chris says, more of a comment than a question. It's the continuation of excellent performances from the dads. Kojima, Makabe and Nagata have all shown that they can still do it when called upon. So, yeah, we definitely echo those sentiments. If we have a D1 climax, then who are we putting in? Makabe, Nagata... Tenzan, Kojima, Round Robin, yeah. those four guys. I'd watch it. Oh, well, do, Homer, are we going to give Homer a spot on there as well? Yeah, why not? Sure, he gets in there. Is Suzuki in this? Yeah, I think he qualifies as a dad. So we've got a nice mm-hmm. lineup of six then. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Suzuki would be probably most people's pick. Um. But I'm going to go upset with Togi Makabe in the D1. D1. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Louis says, did either of you have your brackets busted yet? I got mine with Yo losing to Bushi. I should not have counted out the jet black death mask en serio. I think my brackets got busted with... I mean, the Taichi... Tanahashi, Ibushi, Zack thing was a bit of a coin toss, really, because you knew when one shoe dropped. What's the idiom with the shoe? 
Uh, if you tie your shoe, it will be <laughs> <laughs> whatever that idiom is. Uh, yeah, I just it was a fifty-fifty for me. I picked the wrong one, but I, I think uh, Manabu counted up our our scores from yeah. our pick, so I'm winning, mate. You are. I think you're uh, got like two points on me or something like that, right? Is that what I saw? I started out yeah. hot. I started out like I I didn't have a, a loss for a long time, and then the the last night I think I went like one for three or some shit like that, um, and that's where I fell apart. That's that's the story of my life. Start strong, <laughs> peter out at the end. <laughs> Good, like this podcast, uh, Juice nine yep. nine thousand one hundred says. Thus far, what have been your guys' top two matches in the New Japan Cup? Okay, top two matches. I think Shoshingo, clear number one. And number two... Number two's trickier. I liked Ishii Desperado. I liked Hiromu versus... What's his name? Honma. Hiromu Honma. I thought that was really good. Uh, Nagata Suzuki was great. Yoshiashi Tenzan was really good. I'm struggling to pick my second favourite match here. Probably go Suzuki Suzuki yeah, yeah, that's my second. Yeah, I would go with that that exact same show. Shingo, uh, Yuji, and Suzuki. Um, again, I I, I really uh, Ishi Desperado probably third, um, or maybe even Makabe Ishi. Um, that, that was pretty good. And, and again, special love has to go out for me at least um, for. Um, Hiromu and, and Yano. I think I think it was like a perfect palate cleansing, empty arena match. Like, um, it's 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 on my list of favorite matches. Sorry, John says. Have you guys noticed that odd camera angles and weird lingering close up shots? A few times they haven't got moves in full frame, which is kind of unheard of for New Japan. I hadn't noticed that. Um, there was one. That I felt like they missed, like like a like a a dive spot, um, where Abushi it was the double dive spot, Abushi over on Zach I think it was, and and um, Tanahashi on the other side, and I would love to have seen the Tanahashi plancha um, to see if he cleared the fucking ropes, um, and but yeah that was that but that was the only one where I was like ah I wanted to see that that was the only one I remember but again I'm I'm giving everything a, a hard pass you know what I mean like like everybody's getting graded on a curve here I think uh, not only the wrestlers who are involved in these shows but production and uh, you know, camera work and 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 everything involved I think everybody's getting a, a pass from me just to just to f- work out the kinks figure it out. And um, get shows up um, so people can enjoy them. All right, let's do previews then for the next three shows. So the next one will be Wednesday, July the 1st. We have Ibushi versus Taichi. This is this is a tricky one. I know I said Taichi earlier, but then Taichi getting pins over Tanahashi and Ibushi. And Ibushi. Yeah. Mm, I'm gonna chicken out. I'm gonna go for Ibushi there. Yeah, coward. Um, that's the second time you went against him, by the way. No comment from that. He don't care. No comment. Right. <laughs> I'm just dis- disgusted right. with myself and not believing in the Holy Emperor. Right. 
Um, I'm going to go... I'm looking at who would be the winner. So they would take on the winner of Sonata and Cho, which we're assuming Sonata. So either one of those guys could take on Sonata and, you know, Abushi and Taichi. Um, I feel like the guy on the, our YouTube video. I'm going to go with Sonata on this one. Sonata on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's... I feel like... Um, let me think. Um, I'm going to go with that Ibushi. <laughs> I'm going to Ibushi. <laughs> uh, is that uh, Apple, the Apple company, releasing a version of Bushi? The Ibushi. <laughs> no, that's a bad joke. Sorry. Sorry, everyone. Uh, okay, we've got Show versus <laughs> no, Sonata. No, 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 yeah, Steve Rowland pairs that one. We're going to sit and pause and let that one sink in. <laughs> let that hang in the air like the bad fart smell that it is. <laughs> Oh dear. Uh, then we, yeah, Sonata versus Show. That's a Sonata win. Uh, yeah, Sonata. Yeah. Then Goto versus Evil. Absolute coin flip there. Yep. I don't know or care. <laughs> well, let's put it this way. So if you say Evil, right? The, and that means you're tipping your hands because Yoshihashi has. Like. Like you're not going to do chaos versus chaos, are you? And you're not going to do yeah. Well, then you if you do gonna... evil, then you're going to end up probably Lij versus Lij, aren't you? Uh, right. Okay. No, I'm going to go Goto here. Right. So you got to split it, right? Um, so I'm going to go the opposite. I'm going to go evil Yoshihashi because I don't think Bushi makes it past. Right. That would be weird. Why would Bushi moving on that deep? Um, so I'm. So that's that's the one where I'm. That's going to be my decider. So Yoshihashi will beat Bushi, um, which will mean Evil will beat Hiroki Goto. Okay. I think we could get Chaos versus Chaos. So I, I would predict Goto yeah. versus Yoshihashi. Then on Tuesday, oh no, sorry, Thursday, July 2nd, we got Okada versus Ishimori. Obviously, wow. with the Okada there. <laughs> I'll go with. <laughs> That's my new favorite thing. <laughs> I'm going to go with. <laughs> Akira. <laughs> uh, can we do? Can we wait? No, no. Can for the rest of our picks? Can we just do do names like that? Can we? And, and we had to. And I had to guess who it is. <laughs> we had to guess who it is. So I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with Akira. Um, over Aishi Mori. That's a weird one. Who would have ever thought we would see that? That's a that's a match. All right, so and then they he take they take on uh, the winners of Aishiai and I can't even I can't do it. Hi Ramu. Hi Hi Ramu. Ishi's got to win this one, right? Yeah. Right, I love Hiromu. I would love for him to win, but. I think this is a step too far. He's already taken out two heavyweights. He's not beating Ishii, no. Right, two heavyweights. This would be number three, and this is this is a heavyweight that's on a on a higher pecking order than the other ones. Um, can 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 I just fantasize for a second? Can we just go? That was that was our fantasy dream. Oh, I thought it was opening to Naito's theme song. 
no, 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 no. This is us going into that little phase of dreaminess. Here's my here's our dream. Takahashi Okada. How about that? It's too sexy. It's too sexy for an empty arena. It's too sexy? Too sexy? I'm too sexy for the cup. <laughs> too sexy for <laughs> Right said Fred. Legend. <laughs> that is correct. I'm a model, you know what I mean. Um, the catwalk. Oh, the catwalk. On the catwalk. Where, Joe? On the catwalk. On the fucking... All right. Um, Fred said Fred. The best part about that song is that, that fucking digital drum that... I'm too sexy. I'm playing right side Fred tonight. That's what I'm doing. All right. Yeah. Ishii. Wins, Okada wins. That's our that's our semi. Okay, and then we on the same show we would have Ibushi versus Sanada. Uh, I'm gonna pick Sanada there. I think uh, so. And then, well, I would have Goto versus Yoshihashi with Goto winning. And you're going evil Yoshihashi. Evil Yoshihashi with evil. Okay, so then Friday's show would be our semi-finals. So first semi-final oh. for our picks would be. Okada against Ishii, and I'll pick Okada to win that. I would as well, but now I'm fucked. Go ahead. And then you're fucked, because I've got a very nice semi-final of Sanada against Goto, and Sanada wins. And you've got Sanada versus Evil, so explain your way out of that one, idiot. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm fucked. That, well, I booked myself into a nice little... I, I tried to avoid the one that I tried to avoid the round before. Um, I fucking no, dude. Um, Step away from the book, Damon. <laughs> I need an eraser. Um, fuck. All right. Um, well, Sonata's winning, so there's that. But yeah, I booked myself into a fucking corner, so looks like I'm losing this fucking pool. <laughs> Thank God I didn't put any money down. Okay, so I guess then the next time you were here for us, we would record, what, next Saturday after that Friday show? So a bit of a longer wait, but I'm sure you guys can manage. Um, Let's do some questions until you get bored and or tired. So uh, Discord, VJ. All right, so we're done. (laughs) (laughs) See you next week. (laughs) Good night, everyone. Red Circle. No, no. All right, uh, Discord, folks. VJ says... um, I need to tell my girlfriend my deep love of Japanese pro wrestling, but before I even show her a match, I need Uh-oh. to explain pro wrestling to her. And she is a pacifist, so I would love some help from you sexy devils in this matter. Oh. Uh, don't bother. Yeah. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm, I'm being 100% serious. You don't need to. Like, you watching it, you know, maybe you know you're like, okay, I just want, I'm going to put on this show, but but you do whatever you want to do, but I gotta I gotta check this out. Okay, cool. And maybe in passing, let it. Don't tr- don't force it on. Don't explain it. Don't let it sit. And if and if they're interested, and they look, they'll ask questions. Um, uh, and then then you can explain a little bit. Don't get too deep. Don't try and fucking be that meme where. You know, that girl's staring straight ahead and the guy's like, and the blah, blah, blah. Or the one at the club, you know, the one, you know, the guy's like yelling something, people, you know. Yeah, you know. I, I'm just trying to sort of flip it here. Like uh, if Mally started trying to explain to me the plot of her favorite Thai 
TV drama, I would not give a flying fuck. I wouldn't want to hear it. So, again, it's not a deal breaker having your significant other enjoying something that you love. Correct. Absolutely right. Um, yeah, there's... And, and as a matter of fact, here's the thing. It, it, I know you want to share it. I, I get that. Don't... don't I, I understand that. There is something to be said about having something that's yours, right? And your time and your thing that you can kind of do your thing. You know what I mean? Um, if it happens organically, uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Don't bring it up. Dr. Poodle Papa says, imagine the worst case scenario and international travel remains shut down or significantly reduced into yeah. the next year or two. Fuck me. This person slowed down for car crashes. Yeah. Uh, what do you think the likelihood the current crop of young lions <laughs> are sent out on excursion domestically to other promotions in Japan? There's a slight precedent set with other young talents being sent to New Japan for seasoning. K-Dojo's Yoshida, younger talent brought into work Lions Gate shows. Seems like there could be some tasty matches to be had with handsome Yuya facing off with a Keno or Kaito Kiyomiya in Noah or Suji facing off against a strong BJ Hoss division or All Japan heavyweights. I mean, I, I like the idea, actually. I mean, I, those interesting matchups that have been put on the table there, but I would like to think things would be better by then. Um, what are your thoughts on it? Hmm. Well... I mean, if, you, if we're going by what's going on in the United States, I, I don't think I'm going to be on a plane till fucking 2023. Um, I would love to see it just to keep some promotions afloat. Truth be told, um, I mean, I mean, it might have been a joke. I, mean, I don't know. I just saw it in passing, but like, didn't like Big Japan have a GoFundMe? Like more than a few of them. Um, just to kind of stay afloat. And and again, we can't use everybody. I mean, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I, I really wouldn't. I like the idea. I, do I think it's going to happen? I would say it's like 30% chance of that happening, what was described. But I would love to see something for a lot of these promotions that are going to struggle to stay afloat. That is for sure. Victor says... With NASCAR doing a race next month with 30,000 fans in attendance, do you think any promotion in the U.S. is going to take that same risk? Uh, no. Well, you know what? I say no. Wasn't there, like, something that I saw? WWE had, like, 15 people come down with this COVID. Yeah, I think if they could get away with the it, number they would do it <laughs> without missing a fucking heart. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right. They would. NASCAR's having a race for, with 30,000 people? You know, they got enough problems as it is. They, they really should be not worried about 30,000 people. That should be not happening. Let's, let's, let me be very clear. 30,000 people at a fucking anywhere should not be happening, period. Later Alligator says... <laughs> I don't want to read this right. It's another question about no. what do you do with the IC title? Could you have someone challenging for only that? And uh, 
not doing that one. I'm going to go to the Twitter questions. Sorry, later alligator, but we have answered this many, many times before. Uh, Okay, Chris says, thoughts on Neil Mopay? Okay, good question. So for context, Damon, this is a a Brighton and Hove Albion football player who pushed our goalkeeper when he was jumping up to catch the ball and our goalie landed awkwardly and had a bad knee injury. And then Mopai, the, the same player, went on to score the winning goal against us in like the last second of the game. So well, whilst my gut instinct is to say he's a twat, I can't... I, I would love to have someone like that play for Arsenal. I think we need players who are twats, basically. We're, we're missing that ruthlessness and that... Yeah, you've got to be a bit of a dick you know, to be a, a winner or someone who hates losing. And I think he is that kind of player. So whilst I hate him for what happened, I also have a lot of respect for him. So there you go. Um, oh, and I, I like this do, one. Do you think it was a dirty play? Is it a dirty play? Well, it, it was a bit you think it was- dirty. To, you shouldn't really push a goalkeeper when they're jumping up because they might land awkwardly. I'm sure he wasn't meaning to injure him. He was, I don't know, hoping he dropped the ball or might go outside the area so to, to win a free kick. Um, it was reckless. It was pretty dangerous, so I can't condone that. But again, I wish Arsenal players were doing the same thing. So you know, you've got to do that sometimes. I'm not advocating injuring your fellow professionals, but uh, let them know you're there. I get it. You need a little sandpaper. Yeah, you need a little. You want to. You want to real. You want to yeah. score goals. I get it. Uh, True Life Soldier says, just celebrated recently the one-year anniversary of the end of Game of Thrones. What do you guys think about the saga? What, who should have sat on the Iron Throne in the end? Okay, um, as a big fan of the books, I really enjoyed seasons one, two, three, and most of four. Then it went off a fucking cliff, and I thought the last season was laughably bad. So those are my thoughts on the TV series. Like The people who are making it obviously didn't give a fuck anymore. They were just trying to use that intellectual property to launch themselves as directors, producers, whatever the hell they were doing, and did that, and then they just wanted to get rid of it as soon as they could. Um, who should have sat on the Iron Throne in the end? Uh, I'm I'm a Stannis fan, so Stannis all the way. Damon, I'm assuming you haven't watched any Game of Thrones. <laughs> not a fucking, not a, two seconds of it. Um, I, the only thing I know is, the, what, the White Wedding, is it? The, is There's it, a Red Wedding and a Purple Wedding. Red Wedding? Okay, maybe I'm thinking of Billy Idol's <laughs> White Wedding. <laughs> that would be really wedding. good for a finishing move. The White Wedding, White Wedding, White Wedding. That'd be great. Yes, somebody can steal that. Look, I want somebody, and I know you're listening, old direct messengers. <laughs> um, White Wedding. I want. I want a move called White Wedding. Yeah, that'd be great. Fucking great. Violet Skipping says, spinning off you in your Bullet Club Invades AW question, how do you think Ibushi would have been utilised in their first year if he made the jump? And what cut of the merch would he be on? Uh, he would have been Kenny's oh boy, lovable sidekick. They would have put on really great tag matches. I'm sure there would have been a few bangers there. But I don't think we would have seen the rich, enjoyable singles run that we have seen from Ibushi in New Japan Pro Wrestling? I would say either he would have been the newest member of A, the Dark Order, (laughs) or B, 
uh, best friends. He would be the third. He would be the third. Team up with Orange Cassidy. <laughs> like, best friends. Yeah, that, that, that'd be great, wouldn't it? There you go. Dane says, who have been the Hiroki Gotos through New Japan history, meaning a gatekeeper role while getting occasional chances at the big belt, but never winning it? I'm going to be honest with you. Probably the, the biggest one in my mind was always Tatsumi Fujinami because he was never going to be an Oki. Um, and he was always that guy that, that had the carrot dangled in front of him. Um, and, it, and it felt like it was too late to have him be the guy uh, by the time he finally got to be the guy. So, yeah. I mean, I, I think Tatsumi Fujinami is probably the, the one that, that comes to mind to me almost instantly. Kid Kilowatt says, who's better in your mind, New Japan's Three Musketeers or All Japan's Four Pillars of Heaven? I, From what I've seen, I think oh, the boy, Four Pillars tough. are clearly uh, better. But what do you think? I mean, it's hard to fucking... I mean, big matches, the Musketeers were there, but like we're talking Kawada and Masawa and, and Kenta Kabashi, and that's hard. That's hard to fucking knock out of the top spot uh, a lot of it has to do with your preference i mean again but big matches man muda and hashimoto and uh, that's tough to fucking beat but i would probably have to go to the all japan boys yeah i mean just what they put their fucking bodies through and and here's the thing too that that budokan hall sellout streak that's something that's something imagine new japan selling out Every month at Budokan, like not even selling out, like fucking demand for chit tickets is massive. That run was pretty amazing. And and then you got to consider Hanson's in that mix and Steve Williams is in that mix and Terry Gordy's in that mix. Yeah, I got to go all Japan. All right, I've been told I need to stop the podcast now. So in closing, redcircle.com forward slash shows forward slash super dash J dash cast if you want to give us some money and a discord link is in the show notes so please do get involved with that especially it's a lot of fun for live watch alongs as well uh, prowrestlingtees.com forward slash superjcast if you want to get one of our great t-shirts thanks as always to editor dan who's on twitter at lousyhero219 voices of wrestling podcast network for other great shows five snakes review on itunes please give us some nice words we haven't had reviews for ages that would be appreciated it helps us move up the rankings uh, follow us on Twitter at the SuperJCast. Thanks everyone for listening and goodbye. And goodbye. <laughs>